Hey everybody, it's your favorite reconstructionist, Eric Brown and Phil Relly, and welcome to episode number 36 of the one and only show bringing you tips and tricks for working vehicle collision cases from the best experts in the industry every Wednesday. Today's topic is show me, don't tell me. So hold on tight. Here we go. Before I finish this intro, another life will be lost to a vehicle crash, and the $500 billion economic impact of vehicle crashes will only keep growing. Are you an attorney, expert witness, police officer, or insurance adjuster in charge of negotiating, investigating, or litigating vehicle collision cases? If so, then you're in the right place. The Expert Angle podcast was created for you because we believe that the industry must evolve, grow, and get better daily. And the only way to do that is by building the best team of experts possible to ensure that these crashes are handled efficiently, accurately, and honestly in order to get justice for the victims. We're Eric Brown and Phil Relly, and this is The Expert Angle. Welcome back to the show, everyone. This episode of the Expert Angle podcast is brought to you by Virtual Crash Accident Reconstruction Software. If you are tired of having to purchase, upkeep, and run multiple programs during an investigation, Virtual Crash is the cure. With Virtual Crash, you can build 3D environments using your actual scene data. You can simulate, animate, and create awesome visuals. You can also use the new momentum analysis tool for vehicle motion. Basically, Virtual Crash is the complete accident reconstruction software solution. Solution. Visit vcrashusa.com today to download your free trial or schedule a live one-on-one demonstration. Well, Phil, man, welcome to the show. We have a really, really special show for you for two reasons. One, it sounds like I'm finally going through puberty because I've been teaching all week and I'm losing my voice. So if it cracks and screeches throughout the show, don't mind that. Um, you know, but you, if you get on the video show, you'll see I finally have facial hair too. So it's an, it's an exciting time in my life. But beyond that, beyond that exciting part, we have two incredible women that I have begun to follow on social media and, and their story just really intrigued me and I wanted to bring them on. And so one is an attorney out of Dallas, Texas, my favorite state in the entire U.S. So we have Rachel Montez. So Rachel is a board certified trial lawyer specializing in catastrophic injury and wrongful death. She's built her own law firm from the ground up and been lucky enough to be representing those in need for 20 plus years. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Been named multiple times as the best lawyer in PI wrongful deaths in Dallas several times over and in Texas super lawyers for 17 years straight. Wow. That's crazy, Rachel. Great job. <laughs> that unbelievable. And she is an invited member to the Million Dollar Advocate organization reserved for those lawyers who have secured seven and eight figure verdicts and settlements for their clients. So I am guessing that one of the people that has helped you along the way in doing so is the other extraordinary lady here that I'm about to introduce. And that is Annie Goff. Annie, she has spent the last 20 years as a medical illustrator, which until recently, I didn't even know was a thing. And now that I have found out what it is, I'm, I'm like completely like enamored by this entire thing. And, and it's so interesting. Um, and so she specializes in legal cases and jury education for mostly civil personal injury and medical malpractice cases. Basically, to put it, if, if you don't know what a medical illustrator is, she summarizes the medical records, radiology studies, the operation reports, you know, all the really fun stuff that like keeps jurors on the edge of their seat. Yeah, all of that. So she illustrates it with pictures to simply uh, to, or to simplify the complex science and help the attorneys visualize difficult facts. So, Annie, unbelievable. And I'm really excited to have you guys. Thanks for joining us and taking time out of your schedules. 
Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah. So, you know, Rachel, I think we got to set the show up here. All right. So, you know, obviously as experts, typically we rely on the attorneys to reach out to us and and engage us and, and bring us into your world because the courtroom is your world. We're just, we're just happy that you guys bring us along for the ride sometimes. Right. So what got you interested in this? Because this is, this is so interesting. How'd you meet Annie and, and like, what, what got you like thinking one day that you're like, you know what, I want to show what this girl can do and have her illustrate all the really boring stuff that makes jurors fall asleep. <laughs> like what got you to that point? Well, and, and um, thank you for asking that. Annie and I have been very good friends for, for many, many, many years. And we actually met through a mutual friend. Um, and I just thought Annie was just a cool chick. I just, I love her to death. We travel together. We're very good friends. And a, a, a bonus is that she's an extremely talented medical illustrator. Um, and she works for lawyers in my field of law. Um, and we started working. To, when did we start working together, Annie? Like oh one, oh two. Yeah. So we've been working together for quite some time, and we've done just. I mean, she's done such amazing work for me. And the reason why I, as a lawyer, um, got into uh, the field of of you know bringing on medical illustration and particularly Annie because I don't work with just anybody it's got to be Annie. Uh, there you go, man. That is like the ultimate recommendation right there. Look at that. That's better than any five star Google review review right there, Annie. Yeah. Well, and and there's several reasons behind that. Not just that I love her to death and she's my friend, but it's such a collaborative effort. So I'm a big believer in show me, don't just tell me. And I think that jurors that sit on our cases, that judge our cases are visual people because we're all visual people. And I think the more you can visualize, the more you can conceptualize. And that, that is same is true. That's right. The same is true for jurors. And so bringing these, you know, it's one thing to read it in a medical record this person had a laceration to their liver, or this person had a degloved foot. You can read that in a medical record, but when you actually see it drawn out graphically, it makes such a, a, a an impact that otherwise would not have been made had you just, you know, been stuck reading it in black and white in medical records. So my the reason why Annie and I, I work with Annie is because it's that it's the show me, don't tell me thing. Yeah. I, I want to be able to show and visualize and conceptualize because it's such a powerful tool. Now, my only question I have for you, and, and the, Annie, you may have to take this. One. I don't know. It, it, it may go either way. But I, I think there's a, a misconception out there or or maybe not. I don't know how we how you get past this. But like for us on the reconstruction side, judges have a hard time putting in anything that's too realistic that they deem gory. So like, you know, when we do animations of pedestrian crashes, our only option is to use uh, the animated fig- figures that look like crash tests, uh, crash test dummies, because they don't want to see a real person getting hit by a car or a simulated real person getting hit by a car. So how do you guys get by that? Or is that not even a problem when you bring in a medical illustrator? Um, you know, how about that million dollar question? Um, So I often get the exact same question, but instead of 
coming from, from your world, it's why don't you just use a photograph? Um, why don't you just, you know, use a, re a reconstruction of the real person? Why wasn't it videotaped? Why didn't someone take a picture? And it's because it's often very confusing. Um, mm -hmm. First of all, it's inflammatory. The judge won't let it in if it's bleeding and disgusting. And I can show you an example of that. I brought some il illustrations. Oh, um, man. See, if you guys want to watch the video because... episode of this episode, yeah, absolutely. Roll over <laughs> to our YouTube channel. This the, the video will be on here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you have a photograph that's too gory, first of all, it's inflammatory. It won't be allowed in, but it doesn't show what's underneath the surface. Like you can see a femur sticking out of a pair of jeans and it's all bloody, but it doesn't tell you if there's nerve injury or artery injury or what's under the skin, like what's really happening to that right. bone, you yeah. know, is the knee dislocated, is the hip dislocated? So you... You, the illustration shows everything that you want to see and nothing that you don't. So maybe the quad muscle was not torn. So you don't even have to show it. You eliminate it. And by illustrating it, you simplify all that complex stuff and you only show what is important. Um, okay. So, in, okay. So the way then that you, that you really get by is almost kind of the way that we do with our, with our animations then is like we use the dummies instead of real looking people in the animations and so you're not actually bringing in photographs you're you're actually bringing in an illustration that you create right gotcha. and a lot of the times you do want to base that off real evidence and so you use the radiology for that the x-rays the cts then you take the illustrations and you run them by the medical expert or whoever's going to testify on behalf of those injuries and then they approve them for accuracy and then they're admitted with the medical expert. And then they're based off the client's actual data. And you don't have to show the photograph at all if you don't want to. Man, see, and see why this is so interesting? Like, that's wild. So, yeah. I, I mean, out of curiosity, what kind of software is needed in order to make these illustrations? Or are you hand drawing? I mean, is this like a, a hand or a... Yeah. A, a, um, I hand draw... Uh, with a, a Wacom tablet, a Wacom tablet. I call it a Wacom. It's a, it's a Wacom. <laughs> That's just in case uh, you meet a mouthy other expert like Phil. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I just work in Adobe Photoshop. I, okay. I do sketches in my yellow legal pad. And then I go to Photoshop. And if we have really good x-rays or really good CT that I can make a 3D model from, I can actually just start tracing directly from the client's bones and their skeleton and then build all the soft tissue on top of that that's wild i could just see you guys like at dinner and like the waiter coming over and like peeking over your like your shoulder and seeing you draw like some catastrophic wound and you know the waiter's like what is up with these two sitting here eating dinner at my restaurant <laughs> yeah yeah so exactly. yeah no and, and that's absolutely wild so Rachel, when you come to a jury, and this is kind of an interesting topic that we like to ask a lot of attorneys, is, you know, do you find that jurors, for the other attorneys listening, do you find that jurors oftentimes get bored once it comes to the expert's testimony? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, uh, you bring up a good point, Eric, and that is you've got to keep your jurors' attention. And, you know, there's a theory uh, in, in what we do in trying cases to juries that you really have to have something sort of new and, and a new focus for their attention every seven seconds. 
if you're really doing it right and you're keeping dynamics in the trial and you're keeping creativity in the trial and you're keeping your jurors attention. And so, you know, these medical illustrations and to go back to the question you asked previously, why not use a picture or sometimes you can't use pictures if the judge doesn't let them in the legal standard. And, and the reason why we can get medical illustrations in at least as far as my trials that I've tried or cases that I've mediated and settled a hundred percent of the time is because we use these through medical experts. And so these okay. illustrations come in through our medical experts who testify. And the magic question is, you know, Dr. So-and-so, um, you've looked at these illustrations, you've worked with my certified medical illustrator to do these. Is that correct? Yes. Is that, is that right? Yes. Are these going to assist you in explaining this procedure to a jury? Yes, they are. Yeah. We, we tender, we tender these exhibits and we go through them, um, you know, one by one by one. We sometimes do use photographs. I'm looking at photographs right now on my screen that, of a case that Annie and I discussed before we came on, uh, a degloving injury of the foot and it's got photographs and then a drawing because what you don't, like Annie said, what you don't see is what's going on underneath and what's going on underneath was actually the procedure that fixed his foot or tried to fix his foot. He, this this, yeah. this gentleman unfortunately lost his foot, but we see the procedure, the, the plates, the screws, their attempt to fix it so he wouldn't lose it. And then you see, we, we she did them in a sequence where you can see how he got worse and worse and worse and ultimately lost his foot um, because of the initial trauma. But these come in 100% of the time because you're using them through experts who are qualified to testify in front of a jury. Yeah. And they're so great because before you know it, you can have your expert standing up and teaching like a college professor would. And it's so much more dynamic and it's so much more creative. And again, you have that second set, you know, you're changing something up every seven seconds and, and keeping yeah. the attention of the jurors. You know, and it's, I don't know, Phil, just out of curiosity, did you have a moment there when they said that they're working a degloving case? I'm like, please, God, don't be the case that we have oh. for the, we have a guy also who got his foot degloved that we're working. So I was like, oh man, I hope you guys aren't on the other side of it. <laughs> no, this is a long time ago. This is, oh, yeah. okay. I was going to say the degloving, usually I see those all, well, I shouldn't say all the time, a lot with motorcycles. Yeah. yeah. Motorcycle. I work on them a lot. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So if it's, and and while you were talking, Rachel, it, it kind of reminds me teach, when you're teaching in the academy, when you're teaching adult education, um, you know, with teenagers in a high school environment, you can sit and teach them from a PowerPoint all day long and, the, and they'll follow and they'll track right with you. But adults, you know, we don't have that attention span. We have to we're, we're visual learners and we have to be engaged and whatnot. So what you're doing is is a very it's awesome because that's what you're doing. You're educating that jury. Well, your jury's all adults. Well, and I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase, but there's a phrase in, in the legal community in trying cases called death by PowerPoint. And you oh, don't yeah. even <laughs> have death by PowerPoint. We avoid that <laughs> in the classroom. Yeah. 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 I've been, been teaching all week. Trust me. I, yeah, my students would completely understand what you're talking about. And, and you think uh, about classes you've went to or, yeah. or seminars you've went to and, and the, the person may have a great um, topic that they want to get out to you, but it starts with a PowerPoint and you're, you're done at that, you know, three yeah. sips into your coffee. You're like, Oh, when is break? I'm yeah. out of here. And it may be great subject matter. 
So, and you know, interestingly enough, and we may have to, I don't know if this will, will trigger us to have to, to make this label, this show for adults only or not, but, you know, talking to Annie right before we went live and, and there's just no other way to explain it. But so, so Annie's like a certified badass, right? And it's, I didn't realize, you know, when you say that you're a medical illustrator, right? I mean, no offense. I was just like, ah, she's, she's going to be geeky. You know what I mean? Like, that's just what you, that's what you would think, you know, but then you're like, man, you do scene visits and you do this and you do, and, and it's like, oh my God, like it's, it's just so impressive. And so for people that haven't used a medical illustrator, kind of walk us through, I mean, what do you do? From the second an attorney calls you, because they might not yeah. know, you know, if, if they've never used you. So you get the phone call and the attorney goes, hey, Annie, you know, we hear you're the best in the business. We need you to come on and take a look at this case. And, and, and what what happens next? Like, walk us through that. Um, well, I usually request all the key medical records. And if they send me a hundred thousand page PDF, I usually very sweetly try and figure out, um, I know you're eventually gonna have to figure out what page every operation note is. So can you just send me the actual operation notes? Uh, but anyway, I go through all the volume of paperwork. Um, then I request all the radiology discs, um, all the radiology studies on disc. Uh, like for example, this box of oh my gosh. <laughs> is one case. All right. <laughs> Two clients, but one case. So, so you're saying you get like a few scans and pictures, like just a couple. Yeah. One or two. Okay. Yeah. One or and two. And then <laughs> I I asked for the police report, the EMS report, because there's so many things described in the very beginning before they start splinting and straightening people out and putting them into CTs that you want to capture. Yeah. Um, degrees of dislocation and all that kind of stuff. And once I sort of get the chronology going. Obviously, I'll ask for any photographs the family took. I mean, now that everyone has a cell phone, there's always 100 pictures of whoever laying in the hospital, which really helps um, sort out how large incisions were or I'll ask what their scars look like now so I can figure out exactly where the surgery took place because sometimes it's not well described. Um, and then I'll ask who the testifying expert's going to be, if I'll be able to have access to them or not. In a medical malpractice case, I'll make sure that we set up a meeting before the deposition to go over all the illustrations with the surgeon or the treating physician so they can comment. I mean, I want to talk to the person that had their hands in the body to make sure the illustrations are correct yeah. and that we're doing everything right. And then in an injury case or a crash, or whatever, if it's local, I might go and look to figure out what was going on. Like, are, are they asking me to create a reconstruction or an animation, which I would subcontract out, or are they asking me to show where they were on the road or at the angle that the car came? And and if, you, you know, where was the tibia fractured? Like how high, how low? Sometimes that all depends on the scene. And then I just, I usually start with before because we're telling a story to the jury mm -hmm. and you always want to start. And how do you start the story? You start with before this person was healthy. This person was an athlete. This person looked like this. I always show their face. Um, well, if we can, it's up to the attorney, but I like to show the face. So you show yeah. the person normal, you show normal anatomy 
And then you go to the next slide and everything crunches and everything breaks. Then you teach that anatomy and you go on and you let the doctor on the stand talk about how they repaired each thing. Um, so it's, it's a lot of communication back and forth with the attorney, with their experts. Um, one time I worked on a case where the, the witness, the, the testimony from the witnesses and the statements was so different that I finally just asked the attorney, can I call the funeral home director, like the last person that prepared the body and ask them? Because nobody seems to know exactly what, you know, X look like, and I need to know to show it. Um, so it's a lot of communication and it can be really fun. And I like it because I feel like I'm also a detective or an investigator, I'm looking for the truth. And when I'm going through the radiology, I'm looking for mistakes or things they missed. Or when I read an operation report, I'm like, oh, the surgeon said this, but look what it shows in the MRI. That doesn't match. Somebody lied. Yeah. So it can be very interesting. So out of curiosity, where did you learn your investigative skills from? Like, what's your background in? <laughs> um I think I was a very suspicious child growing <laughs> up uh, where right. I lived. Um, but honestly, before I went to get my master's of medical illustration, I was an autopsy technician. Oh, okay. So I did autopsies for six months for the county coroner and did all kinds of motor vehicle collisions and homicides and all that kind of stuff. And were occasionally, um, greeted by, you know, the police and the investigators <clears throat> would come and, and watch the posts with us, depending on what they were looking for. And I think really through 20 years of doing this and reading depositions and following trials, you figure out what, what are the questions they do ask the police yeah. and what are the things they lo are looking for and what are the clues and, um, so yeah, I, mean, I just kind of have a knack for it. I really like it. Like I like to go look at skid marks and tire tread and be like, well, they couldn't have been standing there. They had to have been standing there. And, you know, if they lost their left arm, they couldn't, their right arm couldn't have been where the car was and stuff right. like that. We need to get you through our reconstruction courses and get you yeah. certified. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> right, there you go. So, you know, and it's interesting and so we have a lot of police officers that listen to the show. And as you said, a couple of these keywords, I was like, Oh man, TJ is going to love this show. If you guys, I don't know if you, if you listen to any of our shows about from our tire expert, TJ tenant, and uh, he's fantastic, but he had to come on the other day and we were harping on the cops about taking pictures. Right. Yeah. And so what are you guys see? I mean, from, from the, from the medical point, and, and then I'm going to turn it over to Rachel also and get her point. So to the police officers that are listening, because me and yeah. Phil, our, our critique is that of a fatal crash, and Rachel, you tell me if you see something different. Mm -hmm. Typically, we get eight photographs, six of which are of their flashing light bar at night and is blurry. And then <laughs> there's two that then show the vehicles. Right. right. Yeah. And for some reason, like that's all you get. And I think it's an accidental picture because the 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 uh, the angle is all it's all turned sideways and you kind of got to look yeah. the picture. And <laughs> yeah. so. So for the, for the police officers listening, what, I, I mean, are there pictures that they could take that, because at the end of the day, and here's every police officer's defense, right? They go, well, and, and this comes from, you know, me and Phil are both police officers. So, you know, typically we go, well, we don't work for the civil side of people, of people's problems, right? But if you're a police officer listening to the show, 
Mm-hmm. I would challenge you that your job, your oath that you took mm-hmm. is to protect the innocent and get justice for victims in any way that that comes, mm-hmm. you know? And so this can also fall under that of protecting people that may be either wrongfully, you know, being sued or, or denied compensation from an insurance company or something like that. And the attorneys are trying to help them out. And so you're still trying to get them justice. And so what can they do photo wise or what can they collect or what can they document or diagram for you that would help you out? Wow. I would love to talk to every police photographer before they take the pictures and be like, no, 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 take it from over here. Take it from here. You're like, just call me and I'll come to the scene. I'll just walk around with you. (laughs) It's really, it's really kind of simple. Like if, if you're looking at your screen and I have a picture of this, you don't know what part of my arm it is and you don't know if it's right or left and you don't know anything. But if you take a picture and it has my hand in it, you have a size reference. Maybe you put a coin or a ruler some sort of reference so you know how big things are. But in a scene, and it's so hard because it's it's the bird's eye view that you really want. Yeah. You want the bird's eye view to really see everything. But you want to picture like perfectly angled pictures, like one of the side of the car, not at an angle and not with, you know, the fire truck you know, where the, the fire department's standing there, you want like the exact side and then you want the exact front and the exact back. And then you can take angled stuff and you want a picture of the street sign so that you know how to orient exactly where things are to the scene or the intersection. So you want, and then if the body's in the car, you want it from far away so you can see the entire body and get oriented. Then you zoom in to pieces and parts. And if you take a picture of a, an airbag that has blood on it, same thing, take a picture of it from far away so you can figure out where it is hanging in the car and then zoom in. Um, there was a really cool airbag case that they won the defense on actually because the way the airbag had come out and exploded had actually captured different pieces of the woman's makeup so like where her lipstick, oh, was, yeah. where her mascara was. Like what you see on the crash clothes. dummies when they paint their faces. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you always want to take something far away to orient the entire viewer and then take it close up. But yeah. if you can use some sort of measuring device, if you're taking something close up so you can tell the difference between right and left. Yeah. Actually, I I just had to say this the other day. So let me just throw a quick disclaimer in here for all the police officers listening. If you guys are going to use like something in your wallet as a scale and you choose for some reason to use your bank card, cover up the numbers. Mm-hmm. All right. It's, yeah. I mean, it's interesting as I go through police photographs and I come across the picture of your credit card with your credit card numbers on it. Yeah. So, spend that I mean, okay. seriously, just <laughs> right. carry a little ruler. Don't mind that dinner that was just charged to your car. <laughs> I keep a ruler right here. It's one of the things I look at first when I'm reading an op report or an autopsy report or whatever, and they're talking about sizes of lacerations and sizes of incisions. You gloss over that stuff when you read it. But if you're holding a ruler while you're reading it, you're like, oh, that wasn't very big. Oh, that was kind of small. Oh, my God, that was huge. Like, yeah. that's it's way bigger than you imagine if you. Yeah. So. So then, so Rachel, let me, let me kind of bounce this back over to you. So, because ultimately you're the, 
you're kind of the, you're, you're the ringmaster of the circus, right? I mean, like you've got to coordinate all these moving pieces that are coming into trial and make them make sense for the jurors, right? Because if you fail at that and you put them in wrong orders, people get confused and everything else. So is this like, how, how do you fit this in as a general overall strategy? So, because like Andy said, you know, if she needs an actual reconstruction done, she'll, she'll team up with a reconstructionist or subcontract that out. All right. So you get the reconstruction. And then I'm guessing you're also going to have medical experts that are coming in. And then you have the illustrations that are coming in. And then so you have all these moving pieces. And and how do you like how do you tell a nice, cohesive story? Like, how do you set the scene, you know, and and then actually get more in depth and, and kind of go through that process while keeping the jury's attention? Very good question. So um, real quick, though, I wanted to tell any police officer listening, um, I, you know, I have so much respect for every, every police officer out there doing this kind of work. And, um, I know that it's difficult to stay at a scene and do the things that are needed because there's traffic. There's, you just want to get out of there. I get it. There's traffic that is, that's coming. You want to clear the area, but talk to the witnesses and get the witnesses information. I can run with it from there as long as I have names and numbers. And I think so, so often that can be missing from a crash report. So please, please, please witnesses, name and numbers. I'll take it from there. And that kind of segues into putting together the story because so much of it is driven by witnesses. And that is, those are fact witnesses. Those are expert witnesses. Those are um, accident reconstructionists. I mean, Lord knows I use accident reconstructionists in in every big case that I have, because it's such a great tool for the jury to visualize. The jury wasn't there when the wreck happened. And it's such a great tool to bring that wreck to the jurors, just like medical illustrations, bring that injury to the jurors in real time. And so when you're putting together, you know, you have to remember opening opening statement is the story of the case. Closing argument is the story of the trial. Oh man, that's such a good saying. Right? Wow, that's like, I think, man, I'm gonna have to try and figure out how to make that the title of the show. Well, and so when you're putting together, yeah, it, when you're putting together, you're welcome, Eric. Right? It's not trademarked, is it? Do I have to pay you every time we say it? No, I stole that from somebody else and I thought, ooh, that's very true. Yeah. But when you're putting together the story, when you're thinking about putting together the story, getting to closing, you want to make sure that you've got all those elements that are important in particular to your story in your trial. And whether that's through experts talking about medical illustrations and authenticating what your medical illustrator, what Annie has done for me. And I, I do want to add this. Um, when I talked about earlier, it's such a collaborative process with Annie it's not just let me let me do this records dump on you and you spit out what what you know you spit out. It, that's not how it works. We work together, and she may come up with something and send it to me, and I'll be like, oh, maybe we can do something else with this. Maybe, and and Annie's really good about sort of brainstorming. What if you did this? Yeah. What if you did that? What if we showed X, Y, and Z? And, and I'll give you a, for example, um, I had a 16 year old client that I recently took the deposition of the orthopedic surgeon 
And she fell 15 feet out of a tree because a hammock split in half and broke her back. Oh, and um, From 15 feet up? Yeah. Oh, bad. gosh. And so Annie illustrated this for me so I could, I could take this deposition, the sworn testimony from the orthopedic surgeon who fixed her. And Annie was able to see something that I didn't necessarily put so much emphasis on. And that was she had some nerve damage that caused her to lose some bladder some bladder function. And so Annie's like, you know, what if we, what if we did this, you know, we could show this nerve damage and, and, and not only the nerve damage, but what the nerve damage resulted in. And we can graphically show that. Yeah. On, on. And so what I want to emphasize, it's a collaborative process. When you're putting the story together, Annie really helps you put that story together of what you're going to, to show to a jury witness by witness by witness. Um, because as long as, you know, you don't necessarily use animations through an expert, you might use an animation and authenticate it with a fact witness. Yeah. You know, somebody who was there, who saw it, who can authenticate that is accurate. That's exactly what I saw. That's exactly how it happened. Those, they were in that position. Uh, Annie and I did a, did a case where we did an animation like that with a railroad crossing that came down on my client's head. And we did an animation like that. And you know, we authenticated that through fact witnesses because obviously, you know, it had to be somebody who was there and saw it. Yeah. I've, I've tried to push Phil in front of a few trains. I have <laughs> failed every time, every time I have failed, but no. So, you know, as, and as you guys talk, it, it makes me think more and more. And I sit here and I'm like thinking of past cases and I'm like, Oh my gosh, Annie, I wish I had your phone number because I would have like, I, I think you could have really bolstered the cases and I would have, you know, loved to suggested it to the attorneys I worked with because on the accident side, Phil, think about this. How hard has it been a lot of times, because people think what we do is like that black magic voodoo, right? Like they don't quite understand what accident reconstruction is. They're not sure how accurate we can be. And then we get up and talk about mechanism of injury, you know, in, in, inside of a car. And, and that's something that, you know, really, I mean, we're, we're eminently qualified to talk about. I mean, that's one of the things we're tested on when we do our accreditation exam is, you know, what parts of the interior of the vehicle would the occupant have likely hit? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, man, how helpful would that be to be able to say, well, you know, yeah, the, the driver would have struck the, you know, rear view mirror in the car with the front right side of their head and then have Annie be able to put that yeah. all together for yeah. somebody and show that that, yes, in fact, that's what happened. Yeah, you yeah, know, or absolutely broke your right ribs on the center console of the car because of the way that it rotated, you know, and yeah. things like that. And it adds so much personality to the client. Like if, if their glasses broke on something and it cut their eye or if they, you know, were knocked unconscious and they found a broken contact in their eye, like things with the face, they really personalize the person to the jury. They can imagine, oh my gosh, you know, not only did I hit the rear view mirror, but my glasses broke and my sunglasses went in my eyes and, you know, like the little details like that. Are, yeah. are really good for engaging the jury in who the person is. Well, and, and when you think about it, I mean, think about, think about the shows that we watch on TV, the like 2020 or uh, you know, the new shows that we watch on TV and think about the graphics that they show illustrating something for a quick, you know, two or three seconds. It, it, it's those kind of things that create the sound bites that make your case interesting. Yeah. You know, and and that's I, so true. I mean, that, that's so true. Yeah. 
and, and when you talk about closing being the story of the trial, you have all these illustrations to to show in closing and remind them what we went, what we learned and and how we were educated by this expert as we go through them. It's such a powerful tool to keep them engaged and interested. And then I'm I'm also assuming that I mean you're you're probably marking these illustrations as exhibits. I do, yeah, absolutely. And, and so I mean those are going back to the jury room with them, and so they have these big giant because I'm assuming it's not like a four by six photograph or a wallet or something like that that Annie's giving you, right? Like they're big posters. <laughs> you know, yeah, could be. Yeah, the key is to mix it up, just like Rachel's saying. You want to engage them every seven seconds. You want to give them yeah. different things. So a lot of times there'll be one large trial board or maybe one or two, like the key thing that you want them to see. And the beautiful thing about a big trial board, first of all, they're really heavy. You don't want to do a lot of them. They're super bulky and they're obnoxious. But if you have one really good one, even when the opposing counsel is speaking or even when the judge is taking a break or whatever, that big giant board is still sitting in the courtroom and the jury always sees it, especially the board juror. That's just kind of like looking around. Da, da, da. They see that big board and they remember yeah. what they learned on it. But then you also have slides. And if you can show them slides on a screen and move them quickly, you can almost simulate animation and yeah. you can go through a chronology. You can go through it slowly and then you can go through it again quickly. And at closing, you can do it really fast. I mean, I think I showed, it was maybe like 15 slides in a single case in like two minutes. It was like a TED talk. And you can literally do a slide a second if it tells the story and they're yeah. watching. And you, you, so you mix everything together and then you use 3D models too. You like bring, you know, a skull model. And I, was just, I was actually just going to ask if you ever bring actual 3D models. Yeah, actually, I have one if his jaw stays on. This was an 18-wheeler crash. And so and I, so he's got this huge hard pallet fracture. Oh, man, uh, that would hurt so bad. So <laughs> like that, that instantly just made the inside of my mouth hurt. <laughs> well, well, and now you know his magnets reactions are. Right. Well, that's what I was going to say. So I have to imagine the juror. I mean, oh, my God, if you guys seriously, if you have access to YouTube, come look at the live version of this show. If that doesn't make your mouth hurt like, oh, man. <laughs> but, yeah, the point is to mix it up. Use 3D physical models, use boards, use slides, use everything. Keep everyone engaged. Yeah. Um, and, but then keep the story chronological so you don't get lost. So, and you guys both hit on this. And so I, I want to just real quick uh, hit on this also, because if you've listened to any of our past shows, we are big proponents of like, one of my favorite things is taking the attorney with me to the scene. I love when my attorneys come out to the scene with me because it, it, it really helps you get them in the mindset and they can understand what we're talking about as investigators. If I can walk you by and I'm like, Oh, look here, look at this tire mark or look at this gouge. This is what this shows us. This is why I know look at the view obstruction. Right. And then as the attorney, you can start to visualize that. So, you know, lay this out there because unfortunately I feel like a lot of attorneys don't do that. And you guys both brought it up. You know, Rachel, you brought it up to collaborate with your expert. And Annie, you brought it up to that you love to go out with, you know, either the yeah. other expert or the attorney or both, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, lay it out there for the attorney. I mean, is this, could this be the difference between a, a $20,000, $30,000 verdict and a million dollar verdict? Absolutely. Sure. Uh, you know? 
I can't imagine not going to the scene with my accident reconstructionist. I, I I've been to every single scene with, in every case that yeah. I hire an accident reconstructionist in. Not every every single case obviously warrants that, but yeah. When you think about it, Rachel, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you're going to be the one presenting that to the jury, to the judge, and so on. And to Eric's point, as much as it pains me to say it, ha! Um, <laughs> <laughs> but wait, let me get the video or the audio yeah, no kidding. real quick. <laughs> but it, I mean, I mean, seriously, it's it's when you have that and you're both at the scene and you can look at things when when you're preparing for trial or you're preparing for whatever and you can go back into your memory bank of i remember now when i was standing right here or looking right at that it's it's more powerful i think it's it's more beneficial to the attorney than it is for the attorney to look at it look at a photograph because it doesn't put you there well physically being there is entirely different and, and phil you just hit the nail on the head of why we do this for our jurors because it puts them there Mm-hmm. They're not just, it's not esoteric anymore. It's not, you know, they're actually there. You, you actually just put, hit the nail on the head with why we do this for our jurors in, with medical illustrations and animations, because that's the impact it has on them. You're exactly, yeah. they're at the scene without yeah. being at the scene. Yeah. yeah. I- I love it. I mean, they, this is this has been proud. I've probably learned more from from just talking to you guys than than ever before. Because Phil doesn't teach me anything ever. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and uh, I'm always learning from Phil. So, um, Annie, you know, we had talked a little bit. Do you have by any chance? Is there? Do you have some examples of a, a case or some of the product that you've done that you can can share with us and, and show people? Yeah, kind of what it looks like and. You know, like Look show us, like, yeah, show us what you can do. <laughs> you know, I want to, I want to be wow. So I did. I I threw some slides together that I thought would kind of cover some of the things we would talk about. So I'll fly through them really quick, and then if you want to go back, we can go back. And then um, I pulled some really quick, just pulled some things that I've created for Rachel. She wants to talk about those as Un- well. Unfortunately, if you guys are listening to only the audio, you're going to hear us ooh and ah for the next couple of minutes. <laughs> and then you're going to, then you're going to be dying. You're going to be like, Oh gosh, what are they looking at when you get to the office? Right? So this is how I like to talk to all different kinds of audiences about why you don't use a picture. So if you go out and take a picture of a mountain and then you try and teach someone about what a volcano is, you can't teach it with the picture. You have to have an illustration of the inside. Right. Um, and so this is an example of a photograph at a scene. You have no idea what body part this is. I was just going to say, I was like, I'm trying to figure out what I'm actually looking at. <laughs> um, so there's, you can tell there's someone, someone's hand in it. So you kind of have an idea of size. You're, you can guess by the amount of hair. That I'm going to say that's it. I'm going to say that's a lower left leg. Yes. Well, but you can't really tell. Is it left or right? Was it a selfie? Was it taken by someone else? You don't know. And so then in the illustration, this is very didactic, right? It's no longer inflammatory. It's not gory. It's very much like, you know, the teacher with the chart. This is basic. But this shows you what you're looking at. Um, and then underneath the skin, what does that fracture look like? And you draw so, all this? That's incredible. 
Yeah. I put a black box over his eyes, actually like really handsome dude. And I didn't have permission to get a picture or to get, I didn't ask for his permission in advance. So he's been black boxed. Um, looks like he's in witness protection for anybody that's just listening to the audio. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so this is an example of an autopsy photograph. This is not the autopsy photograph. This is a sketch of the autopsy photograph, which makes it less gory, even though it still is slightly gory. All the blood is gone. You see this massive laceration, but you still don't know what's underneath. And yeah. so then you have the list on the side of everything that is documented in the autopsy report, but you can't just read that to someone. If you well, just that's what I was just I was just reading it and think about this guy. If you're listening to this show, literally, this actually is kind of a good example. Think yeah. about it. this is what you, this is what the juror hears. Mm -hmm. So the guy that we're looking at here, he has mm -hmm. a complex facial lacerations, maxillary sinus wall fractures, maxilla fractures, missing upper teeth, missing lower teeth, mandibular condyl fracture. Did I do good? Was that good? You did do well, but that's just and, it. Some of the terminology is hard to pronounce. Some of it you don't right. understand. And then it starts to become voluminous and you can't even like picture it. So you still have to do the illustration to see everything that's in there. And then you don't even really even need the list. It's kind of like, whoa, okay. So mm -hmm. what happened to this man's face went all the way through, broke his neck and severed his spinal cord. I was gonna say, is his neck broken back there? Yeah, it severed his spinal cord. He died right away. This was a very, very interesting case. This man was driving a car with his wife and a U-joint fell out of the bottom of a construction pickup truck. Through the windshield. Yeah, boom. And oh, she man. had the wherewithal to crawl onto his lap and pull over the car and they didn't hit anybody else. Wow. wow. And it was just a really, really heartbreaking case. Um, this actually reminds me of here in Cincinnati. We just, we actually had, what, what was that two years ago, Phil, the, with the, the snatch block from the tow truck driver that shot off the cable and went through the windshield of oncoming traffic and killed the, yeah. killed the boy driving up 71. Yeah. It's awful, terrifying. And when they um, started interviewing and taking depositions, they found out that the maintenance on that construction pickup truck had been falsified for years. No, and so man. you're able to add more defendants to the case. See, and that's one of the things like, cause like being both of us are, are commercial vehicle guys too. So that's, that's like our big, I, I I'm huge on the maintenance of trucks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, better do that. I have one. I have a, a, a maintenance on a truck at the end of this too. Um, okay. So this is another example of how an x-ray might show you everything. Like this, the x-rays to me are kind of like photographs. I have are, are they confusing? Are they clear? <laughs> they, they do tell us something, but do they tell the jury the story? And so they've left a hemostat in someone's body. I put it on the skeleton to give us a size reference of what we're looking at, but it still doesn't tell the whole story. And how much more pain and suffering do you feel when you see the soft tissue entangled in this hemostat? Well, and, and so just yeah. looking at this real quick, you know, mm -hmm. I look at the x-ray and, and you're right. Like to that, I'm like, eh, okay. 
Like that, it doesn't show you that, but then like with them on the skeleton, those are huge compared to the body. Like, oh <laughs> yeah. my gosh. I didn't know yeah. those. What? Right. So <laughs> Holy smokes. Case, the, the radiology tech said, sir, can you please remove your glasses from your pocket? <laughs> it looks like an old set of bifocals. And he's like, uh, yeah, it I does. Yeah. Wear glasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. And then tissue add, not only does it add to what actually is happening inside this guy, but for Rachel to now tell the story, for the attorney to tell the story, this now leads to the next part in the chronology, which is they had to remove so many feet of intestine out of this guy to get the surgical tool out of him because yeah. it had all Can I just ask, and you might not know the answer, or maybe, Rachel, I'm assuming this was one of your cases. This actually was not my case. Okay. <laughs> if either of you guys know. Danny's right on. How does, how does the intestines come through those little tiny, tiny holes and, and like. Over time. I mean, this. Oh, so this wasn't like caught immediately. Oh no, this man went home and was recovering from surgery. And for weeks and weeks, he couldn't figure out why he couldn't sleep on his side. Oh my gosh. And so they just slowly over time became completely entangled. Well, the and surgery was a part one and then it came back, they left the tools in there so they didn't have to re-sanitize them to come back and finish it. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. It was, it was sad. You would think that the, the pain like the very next day would be so excruciating. You'd just mm -hmm. be like, uh, I mean, like you said, Eric, look at the size of that. Right. right. And, and this, this honestly, you. this is the first photograph really that, that I've seen wow. in a long, long time. You know, and wow. it's just the nature of what we do, but this is the first that I'm like, thank God there are attorneys out there to protect people that this happens to. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like yeah. that's unbelievable. If you seriously, if you guys, you, you guys got to watch the live version of this show or the, the video version of this show. Yeah, that's un that, that is i mean that's a huge tool to be left inside of a body yeah i'm a big i don't know how that happens so, yeah this is also why you have to be an advocate for yourself if you're a patient or if your family is in the hospital and they're having pain that is above and beyond post-op recovery pain um i have several several case examples of where the the surgeon was like I'm sorry, you should be fine by now. You're, you're probably crazy and maybe you should see a psychologist. <laughs> and then months later, they found surgical objects inside their bodies. Yeah, I mean, you always hear about the sponge and I get a sponge or some gauze. I can sort of understand that. That's, mm -hmm. that's a little much. Yeah. Um, I worked on a case where the, uh, the surgical towel that they left in a man was so large that it, it's not even something that's supposed to be used in surgery. It's, it's the giant towel that they use to drape the stand that the instruments go on top of. It, it's a beach towel. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like the surgeon took a shower and he just like, he was drying his hair off when he came in the room. Off I'll, just, yeah, I'll just stick this in here for right now. I'll get it later. <laughs> I mean, it was probably two by three. Surgical oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, that, these are that goes into me throwing in the towel for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so in this case, there is um, a, an adult that has his son and all of his cousins in an SUV. 
And they're going to his brother's house at midnight because he's got his Jeep stuck in the woods and they're, they're going to go rescue the Jeep. And so all the kids have gone over to this guy's brother's house in the middle of the night and all the adults are in the garage and all the kids are sitting in the SUV and it's late and it's a small town and it's on this um, two lane highway that runs north and south and a police officer is driving north. And he sees the light on and the garage open and it's late and he thinks it's suspicious. So he pulls over to check out what's going on. But instead of pulling up, he's driving north. So instead of pulling over onto the northbound shoulder, he crosses traffic and pulls over to the southbound side on the shoulder. And he walks in and recognizes the family and they all start chatting and they're all just talking. Well, the cop car's out there sitting on the southbound shoulder facing north. And then we have an 18 wheeler that comes over the hill that's coming south and he has fallen asleep. And as he goes down the hill, he's sort of like woken up. And when he sees the cop car, Thinks he's on no, the wrong his, side of the road. His lights bounce off the 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 mm-hmm. bar, the cop bar, the lights, and he sees the headlights. And in his mind, he's fallen asleep and he's awesome. drifted off the side of the road. Yep. Oh, so he's, he's, oh man, I didn't even think about the right that. Smokes the fact, SUV. And so when he corrects to go back onto the road, he actually drives off the road and slams through the SUV. And kills every child inside of the car except for one. Now, is this and, one of your is this one of your cases, Rachel? No, it's oh. not. It's a very sad case, but yeah, no, it's very yeah. sad. Um, and so, without the illustration, for for an attorney to stand up and tell that story to the jury, it's very complicated. Who's parked where, and who's coming from where, and yeah. you know, you need a whiteboard to show what's going on. But then. Um, I had a friend of mine do this illustration, obviously, you know, I, I draw lacerated livers. I don't draw beautiful stuff like this. Um, so an illustrator friend of mine, um, created this scene image, but now you understand how that 18 wheeler was like, oh my gosh, I'm driving off the road and he went the wrong way. Well, and that's, as soon as you put the picture up, I was sitting here and I'm like, why is the cop sitting there with their headlights still on? Mm -hmm. Like at least just go down to your parking lights. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So anyway, the the cop was a defendant in the beginning of this case and settled out. And then the rest of the case moved forward with the 18 wheeler company. Wow. That's oh, man, that's wild. Yeah. I tell you what, though, you have a really talented illustrator friend. Yeah, he's awesome. He did another illustration for my book as well. In the book. Oh, wait, you have a book. I, I need a copy. Yeah, yeah. Will you send me an autograph copy? Injury Illustrated, like Sports Illustrated. Wow, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I'll send you one. I'll send you a copy for sure. Sweet. Add that to my library. Some of Rachel's cases are in there. Um, Oh, so this is a case that I wanted to show you guys. um, This is is something me and Phil are are very familiar with on pedestrian crashes versus trucks. (laughs) Yeah, so... On your last podcast, you talked about how sometimes an officer or a medical person will take something away or or bring something to a scene. And it made me think of this case where um, 
<laughs> the I think I know where officer. you're going with this. So do I. I got a oh, feeling no. I know exactly how this is going to go. <laughs> yeah. So obviously he's taking photographs. He doesn't know what it is. And he, he goes up there and he puts his fingers in the grill and he starts messing with this thing and pulls it out and realizes it's a piece of bone. Ooh. Oh. So he puts it on the ground and takes a picture of it. And the attorney decides that the picture of it, and they used a ruler, which is awesome. And this is excellent. But we decided that all of these pictures were not necessarily inflammatory, but kind of awkward for the jury. Yeah. I, and I was going to say, I could see our judges up here having, having an issue with these with these. Yeah. Photos. So mm-hmm. this, what happened was this didn't go in, but this went in. And so when we did the, these were two people on a motorcycle that were hit by the truck mm-hmm. and we just left this little piece of femur just sitting on the page. And when the attorney discussed all the injuries to the clients and then introduced this little bone fragment, he then introduced the police officer who had taken the pictures at the scene and just had him describe what he had done when he had walked up to the grill of the truck and and pulled on the this thing that he didn't know what it was and pulled it out and realized it was a piece of bone you know and i like looking at this picture right here i'm like all right we we have to we got to talk after this show because we work a ton of pedestrian crashes mm-hmm. and the one of the most important things when it comes to a pedestrian crash is which way the direction of force came you know, when it hit the pedestrian, so we can tell where they walking, where they running, where they mid stride was their left side towards the car, right side, whatnot. And that just so clearly shows the direction of force applied to the leg bones. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, sometimes I'm not a biomechanic. So sometimes I'll ask the attorney, we need a biomechanic for this. Um, because there's not a medical illustrator that's also an accident reconstructionist that's also a biomechanic. And if we could come up with a school that would teach how to build professionals that do all three, it would be absolutely amazing. Um, So sometimes I can figure it out and sometimes I can't. Um, Often I need the accident reconstructionist just as much as the medical records. And then sometimes no matter what we do, we still need a biomechanic. Now, can you go, can you go back to the previous slide at the front of the truck? Yes. So talking about the, uh, the officer grabbing that though. So yeah, when one of my very first cases after I get certified as a reconstructionist is we had a, a Ford excursion coming down the road and a Lincoln LS pulls out in front of it and the Ford excursion T-bones it and those tow hooks that are right there on the very front yeah. of that front bumper, mm-hmm. they go through the door of the Lincoln LS and, and the one tow hook impales the, the driver on her side. Oh, and wow. so we're out there at the scene and they team me up with, with a, you know, an officer who was like ready to retire. And I remember, cause we're looking at the cars and you know, he, it, it punted that car, the, the Lincoln, Oh my gosh, you know, half a mile down the road almost. And, uh, so we're at the at the uh, excursion and he's like, what is this like greasy stuff on the tow hooks? And he keeps like wiping his finger on it. And like he's like doing this, you know, and he's like, what is this? Until we go down there and see the hole inside of her body. And then like he spent the rest of the day throwing up in the bushes along the side of the yeah. crash scene. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, guys, yeah. wear gloves. Wear gloves when you're out yeah. at the scenes. Yeah. You never know. No taste testing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, All right, so okay. I, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll flip through a couple more and I want to get back to Rachel. 
This is an example of a photograph of injuries. This is a great photograph. You can tell which side of his body is. You can tell there's an elbow, there's a knee. You can figure out what's going on, but it doesn't show you anything that's going on inside. Um, this was his pelvic fracture. And so we then highlighted just the pelvis. And this is from the intraoperative fluoroscopy to show the initial screw going in, what that looks like. And then they- That's uh, literally what I use holding my fracture. deck to my house. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then this is directly from the x-ray. So you always match it to the x-ray so that you have the evidence. That metal, that metal brace on the bottom is wild right there, actually holding the bottom of the pelvis back together. Yep, that plate. Yeah, yeah pretty intense. Ouch. Uh, so that was the reindeer case. We call that the reindeer carnival. Man. See, and, and like, so I, I love this because this right here has shown exactly what you do. And, and like, I'm, I'm just, I'm blown away, impressed by this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I, I feel like if you're an attorney, you're crazy. If you are not using a medical illustrator to show this stuff, like this is, it, is. it makes it so much more simple. And even yeah. if you just show this x-ray, this is a pretty good x-ray. Um, it's decent quality. You understand what's what, but that is just so much different. Especially yeah. if you can then bring a pelvic model with you and show like how big those screws are in relation. This is an old case that Rachel and I worked eons ago. And well, it's in color, so it couldn't have been that long. Right, <laughs> right. So this is a, obviously it says summary of injuries. And we did do a very detailed um, slideshow step-by-step of every single one of these injuries. Um, but I think Rachel wanted to talk about this case. Um, there, she and her husband were in a vehicle and he had injuries as well that were not as severe. Um, did you want me to pull up the police report from this case? Yeah, you can. So, so these, these two were actually pedestrians. Oh, yeah. So they were pedestrians. They were walking through. She and her husband were walking through a Home Depot parking lot and a gentleman who was driving a, a, a company car, a car that his company had had gotten had leased for him to drive. It was probably about 930 a.m. And he was driving through the Home Depot parking lot um, intoxicated. Well, you know, either bringing the party from the night before or uh, starting it Five early. Right? somewhere. I mean, come on. And, oh, and I think he had um, he had actually been drinking the night before. <sighs> he had twin. He had twin babies at home, and he'd been drinking the night before. He got up. His wife sent him on an errand, and he he had a little bit to drink before he left. Oh At least gosh. you didn't say. I was worried you were going to say he had twin babies in the car uh, with them. And I was, I like that was going to make say. me mad. So yeah, at, yeah. at least he left them at home. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know how Home Depot will have the the pergolas outside that they build that they sell, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, he hit her so hard, she goes airborne, and she's actually thrown into one of those pergolas. Sheesh. Um, and the reason why we, the board that Annie just showed 
for those of you listening, she, she showed a board with um, her body and all of her injuries. This was made into a, a big poster board. And so as a lawyer, it's helpful when you're, you've talked about all these little injury, not these little injuries, but these individual injuries throughout mm -hmm. trial. And you've mm -hmm. talked about them with your, your, your client. You've talked about them with your expert who's explained them. But this big board you can bring out when you're doing closing argument because it kind of, it kind of just wraps everything up and encapsulates everything in one visual aid. And so this would have been made a, a huge poster board that you bring out and put on an easel. And when you're doing your closing argument, you leave it there because as you're talking about the defendant's liability, the jury's going, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to what the defendant did, but I'm really visualizing and looking at what the consequences were, what the yeah. result was. You know, and, and I, I got to be honest, Rich, I'm sitting here looking at this and I'm trying to envision myself as a jury member. And, and you're looking at this visual illustration. And you're like, wow, look at all these injuries. And then you keep getting sucked to the eyeballs. Yeah. They're mm -hmm. looking at you yeah. and, and, and they're human, you know, and it just, it brings you back to, oh my God, this is a human that suffered this. This is, like almost like the 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 visual aid is staring at you, going, "Look at me, look at how injured I am." I, that's a that is a, a just an amazing tool right there, as far as compelling the jury to remind themselves that this is a human. Well, and it, it almost makes right. you think of like a hostage negotiate negotiator, how they'll always use like the victim's name. You know, stuff yeah. because you try and humanize them to the, yeah. the hostage taker. And that's like what I feel like you're doing here is you're humanizing your victim to the jury. I mean, those, I mean, those, that's just, I don't know, the eyes just are just suck you into, man, gosh. It's interesting you bring that up, Phil, because these are not just, you know, stock eyes or, you know, random eyes that are drawn. This is her face. This is yeah. her face. I figured. And this is what Annie does when she does a medical illustration. She she yeah. goes off of pictures or, you know, visuals of the person. That's powerful. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Very powerful. So, so this this kind of encapsulates and closes everything for you while you're giving arguments even about something else like liability. Mm -hmm. This is always there. It's just sitting there. You know, and, and it's and it's interesting, too, because any one of these injuries like you, you just read it in of itself don't sound that bad, you know, like blood in the right ear. Eh, OK, you know, and you're like broken tooth. Eh, OK, you know, stuff. but like when you see it together like this and you're like, oh, my God, that's a lot of injuries yeah. like that's that's devastating to somebody. Yeah, right. But probably still recovering. Also interesting as a medical person, which rarely you ever have on the jury. Right. But for me. Anytime there's blood in the ear, you know, there's a basilar skull fracture, which yeah. can be fatal. So blood in the ear is huge. That means there was a fracture in the inner ear canal somewhere. And that's the base of the brain. So it seems you're right. Like, it's just kind of like blood in the ear. Yeah, right. That's I mean, like, to like a lay person, you're like, meh. Okay. Mm -hmm. the, like, yeah. But yeah, when you see it, you know, as a list and as a part of a whole, you're like, oh my gosh, like that's right. overwhelming. Right. Yeah. yeah, this is the scene diagram from the case I'm about to show you. <laughs> oh my gosh, look at the drawing! I love this. Look, <laughs> this is the person, and look, he's got like a little hair. 
<laughs> it's like Al, it's like alfalfa or buckwheat from uh, here. He's got a little, his hair is here when he's laying on the ground. And I was trying gone. to figure out why the cars are driving on their sides. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I've actually looked at this a couple times, and I'm pretty sure Rachel will be able to tell us. But it looks like maybe Unit One is towing Unit Two. Yes. Oh, all right. I see the connector. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Unit One's a tow truck, and Unit Two is my client's car. Oh, that's a tow truck. Right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Unit two is my client's car. And my client, obviously, as you can see by the stick figure, is not in his car. <laughs> oh, so that's the, that was the guy that was, though. Like, that is his car? That is his car. Okay. All right. So there's a tow truck backing. Oh, tow truck's pulling out. Basically, the tow truck drags him along the pavement all the wow. way out to the middle of the street. Yeah. Mm. Ouch. That's what happened to him. Yeah. Is that, is that what the foot injury is from? Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh no. my gosh. So just like I said, I like to start with normal so that you can set up the story. I don't even want to watch the transition. I know. I'm like. Right we actually did two sets of illustrations. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> this is the most entertaining audio Crunch. episode to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh oh man my foot just hurts oh yeah, so that that's our crunch so is that from being run over by one of the tires on the tow yeah. truck yeah so where did it run over him at up by like the his toe up by the toes eric up by the toes well, that's yeah. what i was trying to figure out how it bent him like that yeah. oh yeah. man um, so you guys might be interested. This is called a Liz Frank oh, fracture. Stop, stop and doing that. And this is what happens to football players. <laughs> this is the common football player injury. It doesn't usually tear through the skin, but it's a break here in the midfoot. Oh, man. And so here's normal again, and then there's the injury. That's so impressive, though. I mean, it definitely gets the reaction, and and I feel like – I'm kind of a seasoned vet at looking at injuries and it still makes me hurt. So I can't imagine a juror that's never yeah, seen this before. We're a little bit on the sideways when oh, it comes man. to injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Consider yeah. what we've seen. Well, and, and also, you know, as you're working up these cases, you also have to consider that a good and fair settlement is better than a trial any day of the week because you have so much more control. And when I say a settlement, I mean a good and fair one, not just a right. settlement. Okay. Right. Not just so these go su- Yeah. These go such a long way towards getting cases settled mm-hmm. that should settle for good and fair uh, amount to well, the you- person who it was taken from. And, and I'm sure, Rachel, when, when you know, as, as you and Annie have worked over the years and, and have presented stuff like this in a um, in um, mediation and so on before it ever gets to trial, it, the other side does not want this in front of a jury. Mm-mm. They do not want that jury to see this. Now, it, it's good. It's credit to, to the, the partnership that you have developed over the years and, and how effective it is. But this is. No matter how good of an argument you've got, uh, if you're the other side, do you really want to risk taking this before in front of a jury? Well, that's what I was just I'm like, could you imagine, Phil, if an attorney sent us this and was like, here, this is what the other side is presenting, you know, and and, and we've got the, the car that hit the pedestrian and they've got medical. I'd be like, dude, you need to. Because you need- it, it, at the end of the day, the jury is human. 
and you put that in front of a human, you're going to get the sympathy of the jury. Yeah. 99, out of, 99 times out of 100, you're going to get it, I would think. No, in yeah, the next slide that you showed, did, did they have to amputate his lower leg? Yeah. Yeah, he lost his leg. He lost his lower leg. Now, is that like, is it as it's turning black? Like, did he actually, did, it, did the flesh start to die? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. And yeah. Annie illustrated that part, too, in a different set of illustrations. So did it die just later on, or was it? Yeah. Okay. Well, here in the beginning of the illustrations, we add the artery. Okay. So that we can talk about blood flow to the foot and the injury to that artery. And so that's where you start to lose blood flow. And then over time, it becomes worse. Starts creeping. And then it gets to a point where they can't save the foot. Yeah. And so then the foot comes off. All right, guys. So before we get off the show here today, I, I do want to make sure that you guys are able to get a hold of Rachel and Annie and ask questions and stuff like that. So, Rachel, do you have a, an office email or an email if an attorney wants to reach out to you and ask questions about working with a medical illustrator? Because I, I feel like you are definitely the person that could point them in the right direction and, uh, and, and help get them off on the right track. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm happy to help I, I think a, a rising tide raises all boats. And so I'm happy to help any lawyer out there who needs my help or my advice, or, you know, I don't know if I got, I have what you want, but I may have what you need. So yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely happy to do it. My email is Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L at monteslawgroup.com. And that's M-O-N-T-E-S. L-A-W-G-R-O-U-P, MontezLawGroup.com. And my phone number is 214-522-9401. Oh, there you go. Look, she gave out her phone number now. And it's, you're going to have to hire a second receptionist for all the fan mail you're about to get. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. And then, Annie, so you, you mentioned your book. And uh, so, of course, like I said, I'm going to need an autographed copy, if you don't mind. And then when me and, when me and Phil, uh, he's, he, all he's waiting on is for me to finish our book. So I will trade you one and I'll, I'll send you a copy, an autographed copy of our book when we're done. Um, but for everybody that wants a copy, because, guys, I'm telling you, um, you know, just kind of off, off on a side tangent, Annie was just showing us some of the stuff in the book. And, and if you are an attorney or an expert and you do anything with injuries, I already can tell you, like, you need this book. You need to have this book in your library. So Annie, if, if they want your book, where do they go and get it? Um, the title of the book is Injury Illustrated, How Medical Images Win Legal Cases. So you can just go to injuryillustrated.com and you can find the book on Amazon. You can either search Injury Illustrated or you can search my name. It's my only publication. So you can Google me on Amazon and the book will come up. And um, at injuryillustrated.com, that actually, it goes to the book, but it also goes to my website and you can contact me there. There's a contact form, but you can also reach me at ag at agillustrations.com. Right. And now are you based out of Texas also? Um, no, I worked in Dallas for five years for the law offices of Frank L. Branson. That's where I started my medical illustration career. And I have been in Denver ever since. Wow. From Texas to Colorado. That's such a, that's such a strange move, but all right. All right. Are you liking it? <laughs> Love it. Love right. it. Interesting. So if you guys need Annie, she is out in Colorado and she is awaiting your guys' call. And I'm telling you, if you did not have the chance to come on and look at the, the, the actual slides that she put up, if you guys are working cases without her, 
you are doing a disservice to the cases you're working. I promise you that it's amazing. I am blown away. I'm sold. Um, I'm going to tell every attorney I know that they need to use you because you're amazing. So yeah, guys, I really appreciate you coming on. Phil final words, man. What do you got? Nugget of wisdom. I have any wisdom tonight. Now that you're just blown away. <laughs> I am. I, I, I literally am, am almost speechless. And that's my thought is I'm like, I don't know what to say. Like for a final thoughts. I'm like, I just, I have so much. I could like recap the whole show and I don't want to. The, so. the only thing I could probably say is it, very powerful. Yeah. Very powerful presentation there. Yep. Yeah. And, and my final thought for you guys, I mean, like I said, if, if you're currently not using illustrations, uh, I'm, I'm sold. But like, you know, up until this point, we've done diagrams because that's typically what people always want from reconstructionists is diagrams. Um, but the, the quality of the actual illustrations that were shown, uh, oh, my gosh, like it, it completely changed my perspective. Um, so, Rachel, what do you got for us? Final words of wisdom for all of our listeners. If you could tell them one thing and leave them with one thing, what do you got? You know, I, I have mad respect for also for you, Eric, and you, Phil, for what you all do. Um, definitely uh, brings cases to life as well. And this is just another avenue that brings cases to life, you know, and my final thought, I guess, would be, it's so powerful to show me, not just tell me. Yeah, I love it. And I think, honestly, I think that is the title of this show. It has, it's gotta be, it's gotta, it's perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Annie, you are, uh, you, you get the actual final word. What do you got for everybody? What's the one thing if you could tell everybody listening uh, to make them better tomorrow than they are today. Um, yeah, as attorneys, everything that you want to say, a picture is worth a thousand words. And if you have a picture that helps you tell your story, visual storytelling is the way to engage your audience. Even, And I also want to say that there are 400 medical legal illustrators in North America. I was totally unaware of that. (laughs) I want to promote the entire profession. Um, There are 1,200 medical illustrators and animators, and only 20% of them work in law. So that's about 400 of us. So even if I'm swamped, even if you don't call me, there we are out there and we will help you win these cases and tell your story so call any medical illustrator and or call me and i'll put you in touch with someone in your area i love it ladies we cannot say thank you enough uh fantastic having you guys we really really appreciate you guys coming on tonight and spending some time with us so it uh, means a lot so well that's going to wrap it up for the day guys as always if you have a case that you want us to review for free or you just want to connect with us jump on over to crashtechreconstruction.com also remember to follow us on facebook at crash tech the expert angle podcast make sure you subscribe to our show and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Crash Tech Reconstruction Services. And finally, remember to always leave your accident victims better off than you found them because at the end of the day, everything we do is for them.